did last week and uh, meet you down there. All right, so let's all move to the front. Let's do that. Let's move forward. That'll be a blessing. That way we don't look like a divided church, right? We're a church, we have unity. We're just divided by a few pews, all right? But let's move to the front if we can. Especially you teenage boys. You want to move right to the front here. That'll be a blessing. Thank you. All right. Well, it's good to see you tonight. If you look around, you're going to see, whoa, some familiar faces. Our missionaries, all right, are here. Brother Pading, Sister Marielle, appreciate them. And uh, they're actually just on, uh, on transit. In transit, they're heading over, of course, to their daughter's wedding over in Alabama. So they head off tomorrow along with, uh, with Pastor EJ and his family and the girls as well, some of, the, some of our folks. And so pray for them as they travel. But um, uh, it's good to, good to be here tonight. Um, we're gonna, let's turn our Bibles to... Titus, please, and we're up to our next stop in our Bible book tour, and um, Titus is the last of the pastoral epistles, and uh, so tonight we'll talk about this book, and then um, what we'll do, I'll, I'm going to have uh, uh, Brother Pedding and Sister Marielle just to come up in a little bit to share their, uh, just what's been happening over the last couple of months over in, on the mission field, and we're excited, we had lunch with them, and just glad to, to, to hear what the Lord's doing in their, their heart and life. All right, let's turn our Bibles to Titus, and let's begin reading here in chapter 1. We'll read down, to, um, read down to verse 4. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. And aren't you glad that, that the, the Scriptures show us and, and teach us about our eternal security in Christ? And He's the one that declared it. And so, verse 3, But hath in due times manifested His word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior, to Titus, and, and notice this, mine own son after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. And so we've just read through, uh, we've just looked at the last two books of the Bible is 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, and, and twice in each of those letters, uh, Paul uh, refers to Timothy as his son in the faith, and then here we have another one. And it seemed to me from a spiritual vantage point that Paul did a lot of begetting. He, he trained many men, but in particularly here as we look at uh, the, the, the one whom this letter was sent to, Titus. Right, notice there he says, but um, to Titus, mine own son, after the common faith. And, and so this book of the Bible, Titus, is a, is a prison epistle from Rome. It was more than likely written between 1st and 2nd Timothy, and sort of that's a timeline there. Um, it's believed that Titus, uh, again, to whom this letter was written, was one of Paul's earliest converts. And, um, and Paul mentions him at least nine times in other letters, and accompanied both he and Barnabas to Jerusalem. So Titus, like Timothy, traveled with, um, with the Apostle Paul. Uh, this letter is written to, 
To Timothy here, he says, For this cause, in verse 5, left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. And so he's saying here that um, I'm sending you over to this, uh, this island um, named Crete in the Mediterranean, and I want to send you there so that you can, you can um, just order the church. And apparently, as, as, uh, as Paul was writing this to, to Titus, there was a great need for a congregation there to, to have someone oversee the work. And so that's why we call this as a, another pastoral epistle, because this is speaking to Titus, who is going to pastor that church and, um, and oversee it and ensure that it's in order. Okay, so Paul sends him there to pastor the church and to help establish uh, perhaps other newer churches throughout that island. And, and that's really the setting of which this, um, this book is written. Okay, so if we were to summarize the whole book in one sentence, it would be this. Whatever challenges they face in life and ministry, Christian leaders and those in the church are to maintain order in the church according to sound doctrine and demonstration of good works. And those are the major themes there of, um, of the book of Titus. So some key facts about the book. It's the 56th book of your Bible. Uh, the author is Paul. It's got three chapters, 46 verses, 921 words. So it's a, a, a nice short book. Uh, there's several key words, but I, I just picked out the word doctrine. It, it, um, it appears four times in the, bi- uh, in the, in the book. And uh, in the first one, in, in, um, in verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. And so evidently in the church, there were those who were deceivers, who were gainsayers. They were saying things for their own gain. And, and here it speaks about uh, those that were trying to gain for filthy Lucas' sake in verse 11. And so he's saying there, they're, you know, you need to combat that with sound doctrine. And, um, and again, I want to emphasize to, to perhaps some of you men who are called to the ministry, um, you need to major in doctrines. All right? There's, there's a lot today. And um, if you if you just do a um, if you just just took some time over the course of the week to uh, to type in Christianity on the internet on Google, you're going to find a whole bunch of things that are just absolutely false doctrine. And you better be grounded, um, and you better be grounded in those things. But um, I want to again the the major part of the of a pastor's calling towards the church is to to put order in the church to lead to preach, but certainly to teach sound doctrine. Um, and really the key verse is, is in chapter 2, verse 1, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. And then he goes on and he speaks to the, the aged women and the aged men, how they ought to teach. And, and really in chapter 2, it lays out for, uh, for, uh, for those within the church how, how each um, stage of life ought to, ought to invest and treat each other. And I've often said that if you were to look at a manual in the Bible, as far as our youth ministry, it should be Titus chapter 2, all right? That's really the key, key chapter in regard to youth ministry and philosophy of it. But um, some interesting facts, just a little bit more about Titus. Okay, Titus, like Timothy, as we said, is one of um, Paul's converts. Okay, Titus, like Timothy, was a gifted young man, and both were intimate friends with Paul. They traveled closely with him. They had close relationship with Paul. But Titus, unlike Timothy who was half Jew and half Greek, was pure Gentile. Right? He was, he was a, a Gentile convert, and that's why we say he's probably one of the earliest um, converts of the Apostle Paul. And while Paul had Timothy circumcised, he refused to have Titus circumcised. 
Okay, so Titus may have been the only Gentile to receive a New Testament letter. It's, it's possible. And Titus seems to be much stronger and sterner than, than frail Timothy. Remember the language that was given that we, we spoke about last week to, to Timothy, how he ought to be strong in the grace. And it was a, an exhortation by Paul to, to one who was lacking in, in confidence perhaps, who was, who was wavering a little bit. And yet here, none of that language is given. It's, it's a, these are all strong commands given to Titus. And so, unlike, unlike Timothy, who was frail and, and uh, perhaps in his personality, just lacked confidence, but Titus was, was different. Uh, Titus and Timothy were sent on difficult uh, missions. Okay, Timothy was sent to Ephesus, and Titus was sent to probably Corinth and Crete. Okay, and Paul had the, the, really had the, um, had the understanding, and he knew his, those whom he trained. He knew them. He knew their, their, um, their strengths and weaknesses. And, and Paul was like a great general okay, who sent his troops to the battles to which they were most suited. He knew their temperament and training. And, and that's why, you know, when you consider those that are called to ministry, each one is different. Okay? Not, not everyone is suited for, for that field and this field. As, as those who, who disciple and mentor and particularly as we, as we see more of our young men, uh, by, by just God's grace, called to the ministry, uh, as a pastor, I must know though, them. But then also as a church, we must have an understanding that not all of them will do the same thing, right? They're just all going to be different accordingly to how God built them and designed them. But then also as we see their temper, uh, temp, temperance and their training and, and see where, where, where God would lead them. All right, so that's just a few, uh, few things about, about Titus, a few interesting facts. Uh, really, the purpose and theme, um, again, the theme would be uh, to, to Titus, really, how to pastor. But then, um, as well here, the purpose was to encourage Titus to complete the task of organizing the churches in Crete. It was his marching orders. Um, it was also to discuss the teaching of doctrine and the conduct of ministry, right? how, how, the, how to order the church. And then to advise Titus of Paul's future plans and wishes. So he communicated that in chapter 3. And what was about to take place, where he needed to meet him next. All right? And, and notice there again, um, those within, within ministry, they communicated well. All right? They, the, the, they communicated those, the plans that were about to come ahead. That's a, a good thought there. But um, an outline for the book, and again, it's, it's nice and short. We can, we can call... Uh, a subtitle of the book, Order in the Church. And firstly, in chapter 1, we see an orderly church or its conduct. In chapter 2, we see a sound church or its doctrine. And then we see a practical church, its works. All right, because later on, and and really the the subject of our discussion tonight as we we think about some application is how to maintain good works. But... um, the type of Christ here is, is really just found in, in verse 1, chapter 1, where it says, uh, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And we're, we're reminded, and Paul does this, doesn't he? Over and over again in his introduction, in his letters to different churches and different people, he'll say, you know, Paul, the apostle of Christ. And, and he's reminding his readers that he's not going there on his own agenda. He was going because he was one who was sent. 
And so really the type of Christ, as we consider this book, is, uh, is the one who commissioned Paul. And again, Christ the sending one. Okay, he's the Lord of the harvest. He's the one in charge of troop movements. And, and so again, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And so the type of Christ here is the one who commissioned Paul, the sending one. So uh, let's continue to read here, and, um, and we'll, we'll make some application. And notice here in chapter 1, look at verses 14 to 15, and then we'll skip to chapter 2. So he's not giving uh, heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but their mind and conscience is defiled. And he's saying there, to those who've been purified, all things are pure. Those things that, uh, that, that uh, try to get into our minds and our, and our consciences, we, we guard against. And then he says here in verse 16, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work. Notice this, reprobate. And he's, he's trying to... to um, make a contrast here to those who are truly following Christ and then those who are professing to. But then look at chapter 2. Look at verses uh, 13 to 15. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. And, and again, over and over again in the New Testament, it affirms Christ is God, right? He says, Jesus Christ. Um, the looking, appearing the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from all iniquity. And then notice this, and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Not just, not just um, somewhat known for. The word there is zealous. It means passionate. It means it drove them. It was what they were known for. And, um, and He's saying, God, God, purified you and redeemed you, and as we look at the blessed hope, we are to be people zealous of good works. It says, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no man despise thee. And so he's saying to, the, to, to Titus here, he's saying, you know, you need to reaffirm these things to the church. And he's saying, you know, for those who, um, uh, for those who are continuing to do so, exhort them. But then those who don't, rebuke them. He says, with all authority. And, and so he's saying here to, the, to, uh, to Titus, you need to speak to the church about this, about their, their zealousness for good works. And, and here's where we, we will just pick up that thought. Um, you know, God didn't save us to sit still, church. He didn't save us so that we can attend church every Sunday and just sit on the pews. No, no, God saved us to serve Him. He saved us to serve Him. And, and you know, the, the Bible's very clear. The pastor is to be the example and the leader here. He's exhorting um, in, in Titus chapter 2, verse 7, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. All right? And, and often when we think about the work of the ministry, we often equate that to the, uh, to the duty and the responsibility of the pastor. And, and that's true. I, I need to be a pattern of good works. That ought to be a visible part of my my, uh, my walk amongst you, that I take part in, in the, the work that needs to happen for the Lord. But then let's not forget that, that 
the, the rest of the congregation, the, the people of the church, are to serve as well. And there can't be this mentality that it's just got to be, you know, those that, that God has called because He's called all of us to serve. He's called all of us to good works. And we read it there in chapter 2, verse 14, who gave Himself for us. Why? That He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people. And here's how we're peculiar. We're zealous of good works. People ought to ask, why do they spend so much time doing those things? You know why? Because we're a purified people that have been redeemed. So that if you're, you're that tonight, then the expectation of God is not, not, not just we sit here whenever the, the preaching is on, but that we would be active in our faith. That, that produced out of that is a zealous working and outworking of our lives and uh, in our lives. And, and there's, there's, there's many different emphases here in, um, in the book of Titus. We see preaching is emphasized. He says in Titus 1.3, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching. So there's an emphasis there. There's an emphasis on the pastor. And again, the pastoral epistle of Titus. And, and we see a lot of the similar language to 2 Timothy in regard to the characteristics of a pastor and, and his role and his duty and all of that. We can learn from that. So there's an emphasis in that. There's also an emphasis on uh, specific instruction for life stages. We see that in the in chapter 2, and all of the, the relationships that are to be there in the church. There's, uh, there's an emphasis there in, um, as we read it, about the second coming, looking for that blessed hope. But guess what? All of these have an outworking in our lives. All of these are meant to produce something in our lives, and it's this, good works. And I think on a Wednesday night, we understand here we're not saved because of good works, correct? But because we are saved, we ought to produce good works. That ought to come out of us. And there ought to be a mentality that we are to serve, that we are to volunteer for the tasks at hand. And, you know, there's some exciting things that we have as a church coming up. And, you know, I say this about our church, and I believe it's true I believe we have a hard-working church. I, I'm just complimenting you. And, and you know, when I, I get around pastors, here's what they say and, and see about our church. Boy, you've got some workers. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. Uh, and I'm, I'm saying that as a commendation to you by the all praise to God, right? Because it's His working. But, but listen, there, there's also, uh, there's also uh, an exhortation in chapter 3 to maintain it. He's saying there, remind them to maintain good works. Um, there needs to be that outworking. And, and so the plain assumption of Scripture and the directive of Scripture is that our lives, when lived by the book, will then produce zealous service and works for Christ. That's the, that's the assumption. It's not the exception to the rule. That is the rule. And so when God looks at us as His people, His expectation of us is that we would be zealous unto good works that we would just get in there and do the work of the ministry. And whatever case that is, and again, we've, we've already spoken about this year about our participation and how oftentimes that's linked to our spiritual gifts 
Uh, oftentimes that's linked to our calling. Uh, oftentimes it's linked to those things that God has put in us that we're able to serve and able to produce works in that way. But all of that is underpinned by the fact that God saved us to that. And it's not motivation because we want to be uh, men pleasers with eye service. No, it's because God expects that of us. And it's in us. It, it just, we just can't help it. You know, it, it ought to be that, that when we think about church, we don't think about it leisurely, as if it's going to be another casual visit. No, we, have, we ought to have the mentality, what am I going to do today? How am I going to serve today? Because that's the mentality that God has, uh, is, is, is exhorting the church here about their faith. It ought to be a working faith. And so firstly, let's just uh, a couple of points here. Works. Works is really a manifestation of an inward reality. And, and it's a manifestation of God's working in us. And, you know, when we've been truly uh, made pure by the blood of Christ, one of the evidences is good works. Okay, that, that ought to come out of us. This is referring to those whom were uh, causing dissension in the church. We uh, look at that in verses, uh, chapter 1, look at verses 10 and 11. For there are many unruly and vain, notice this, talkers. They yap, 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 talked a lot. All right? And deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. And again, there was that, there was that mixing of Judaism that so often was prevalent in the early church. And he's saying, especially of those of the circumcision, the Jews, notice this, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not. Notice this, for filthy lucre's sake. Because they were motivated by money, by gain. But what he's saying here, then notice this, the contrast, they profess, that's talking, talkers, talkers. They profess that they know God, but notice the evidence. But in works, they deny Him. There was a lacking. There was something that was opposite to how they spoke. And he's saying they profess that they know God. And notice what he says, and unto every good work they were reprobate. And so, uh, really what, what this is speaking about is you know, the works that we have, it's a manifestation of an inward reality. It's not about how much we talk about it. It's how much we do something about it. Okay, and, and what it is, your walk recognizes the reality of your talk. It, it validates it. You know, we can talk all about, you know, what we ought to do. But until we do it, then is it really? Do we really agree? You know, we can talk all the time about, this and that for the Lord, but unless we action it and unless we do something about it and it's produced out of our lives, then it's just empty, vain words. And friends, talk is cheap. And he's saying works, the, the outworking of that, it's, it's, that's the, the show of an inward reality. And, and then really, the, the, the lack of work reveals the reprobate of heart. And... You know, there's some strong words here he uses, being abominable. That word abominable means mor morally revulsive. It's like when, when before salvation, God saw our righteousness as a filthy rags. It's revulsive. You know, morally revulsive. Um, 
Then he says disobedient. We understand that word, not obedient. Not, not, uh, not following after the expectations of God and the commands of God. But then he says here, in every good work, reprobate. They will reprobate to that. Now, reprobate has three meanings. It could mean not enduring proof or trial or it's unproven. It could also mean lost to virtue and grace, which means this, unsaved. But it could also mean abandoned to error and apostasy or ungrounded. And um, in this sense, here we see that he's saying they were reprobate to that, which means this, they didn't display it. Uh, they, they were, uh, there was no evidence of it, okay, of, uh, of the change that ought to have been there. And I th- uh, we, we know this later on. We, we see James' writing in James chapter 2, verse 18. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show, you the, show thee my faith by my works. And then later on in verse 20, he says, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? And so he's saying there, there's a manifestation of what's real. And, and, you know, those that, that sadly never show any kind of life, there's no activity of service and works in their life. And we can't, we can't know man's heart, can we? And so we pray for them when we understand maybe they're ungrounded. Maybe they just don't understand the, the need for it. Uh, maybe, they're, um, maybe they're unproven. And so it's just over the course of time there. Or maybe there's just no real life there. And so we see that there's a, the works is a manifestation of what's real. But then secondly, works is evidence of an upward gaze. And, and it's interesting that it's in the context of looking for that blessed hope. And then he says, zealous of good works. And so, you know, while we look, and, and this is where I think many Christians have forgotten that Jesus is promising to return. We're meant to be looking, folks. We're meant to be looking to that blessed hope. We're meant to be living in a way that it's urgent because He could come back and rapture us anytime soon. That's how we're meant to be living. Hey, church, we're living in, in, we're living in, in times where you can see an obvious falling away. And, and we're seeing more and more and, and He's saying, looking for that blessed hope, but then the ending of that sentence, it, you're to be zealous of good works in chapter 2, verses 13 to 14. But, um, and, and when we're truly looking for the return of Christ, our hearts will yearn to labor for Him. We'll labor. We're not just thinking about, you know, how we're going to, um, you know, what, what we're going to do with our, our paycheck this week. We're not, we're not just thinking about, you know, our, our investments we're not just thinking about, you know, the, those things that we're, we're struggling. No, we're, talk, we're thinking about how do, I, how do I maximize the time that God has given me before He comes back? That's the mentality. And what do I do about it? And, and remember the, the um, parable in Luke chapter 19, and He called these ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy. <laughs> saying, Occupy till I come. And that's an active word. That's saying, you know, do all you can to to uh, do all you can with the things that I've given you so that, so that it's invested right and it's, it, 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 um, it furthers my, you know, my kingdom and all of that. And so 
works is an evidence of an upward gaze. And I wonder if you're looking up. I wonder if you're looking to that blessed hope. Or have you forgotten that Jesus will return? He will. And we're looking forward to that. I, I am. I know I am. But then lastly, works is a product of, a cri- of Christ's purifying work. And, and here we see in, in uh, Titus 1.15 again, it's interesting, it's in the context of unto the pure all things are pure. And then he says uh, in, in chapter 2, where, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself. So, so part of our, the evidence of God's purifying work, you know what that is? It's sanctification. Is that we are serving him that we are working, that we are laboring, that we are, we are putting uh, our, our effort into the work of God and producing good works with our lives. And um, it's really a, an evidence of, of sanctification in our lives. And, and, and you know, it's, it's been uh, my observation that many times the reason, the reason uh, Christians don't serve is because they're not living a sanctified life. They're not being purified from the things of this world. They're, they're, they're knee-deep, maybe even neck-deep in the mire of this world. And so they don't serve. They, they've got other priorities. They, they've got other things that they're more concerned about. The, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, that's really a good definition of worldliness. They're just stuck. And rather than producing good works and, and having an active faith. They're just, they're just bogged down in the filthiness of this world. And that's the reason why many don't serve and many are on the sidelines today. Um, and remember that, that sanctification is not just a setting apart from the world. Sanctification is a setting apart for God's purpose in your life. And that's, that's just the truth. Uh, remember Ephesians 2.10. We, we, often, um, we often think about verses 8 and 9 in our soul winning, but it follows through in verse 10. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And so the whole purpose of, of his, his saving us is that we would produce good works. And I wonder how, how that's playing out in your life. In what way do you serve? In what way do you... Do you produce good works? You know, when you, were, when you were thinking about tonight, I wonder if you had the mentality of, of how do I serve tonight? Or is it just another Wednesday night? Ho-hum. <laughs> I wonder if that's our mentality. And, and he says later on in Titus 3, notice he says, uh, verse 8, This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Uh, Verse 14, he says, And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. And so, church, I want to challenge you as was challenged in uh, this letter to Titus, this book of Titus. I wonder if we would maintain good works. I wonder if we would be we would observe our lives and we would understand, you know, God's expectation, the, the evidence of, of, a, of a real living in Christ is that we would, just, we would just work. We would labor for His glory and that our lives would be known for good works. All right, let's pray.
Father in heaven, thank you, uh, dear Lord, for just the opportunity we have to be able to, uh, once again, just open your word, study a little bit um, this, this short book of the Bible, this short letter that you, you inspired. And Lord, tonight we we'll simply say, would you help us, dear Lord, to, uh, Lord, observe our own lives, and Lord, would you just pinpoint, Lord, to, to all of our hearts, to any of our hearts, if we've not been careful to maintain good works. Perhaps we're discouraged. Uh, perhaps, Lord, we're, we're, um, we're not taking care of our sanctification. Perhaps, Lord, we're not looking to you. Lord, help us uh, as we go into uh, the next half of this week. Just be mindful, uh, Lord, of just the, the, the expectations that you have of us. And may we please you in that. In Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. 